So, morning all. If you want to grab your Bibles, open up your Bible apps and turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 6 from verses uh, 5 to 13. Now, as Jonathan mentioned, as a church, we have been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a huge block of teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples, talking basically what it means to be a Christian. Now, we've gone through topics such as flourishing, rewards, righteousness and wholeness. And today we're looking at the subject of prayer and how it relates to us relating to our Father. Now, I don't know about you, but I think culture has led us to kind of misthink our attitudes to prayer. We might think of prayer and think back of the cartoon character who's at his last resort and is just praying for whatever fix they've landed themselves in to get resolved It gets resolved. Happy ending is all good cartoons have. And that's that. Or you might think of prayer a little bit tweer than that. You might think of that scene in The Sound of Music and that of the, um, during, with nuns and called the midwife, where they're just praying and it's all just very twee. It's also with Sound of Music. You've got that scene where just before Julie Andrews starts singing about her favourite things, she's sort of kneeling at her bedside saying, God bless the captain, God bless Liesel, God bless Friedrich, God bless Louisa, uh, Brigitte, Marta and little Gretel. Oh, what's the name of the other boy? What's the name of the other boy? Well, God bless what's his name. We might think of prayer like that. But the problem with that is, and I think this is something that has gone into how we view prayer as Christians. Because we kind of skew it into something that it's really not. We might, as Christians... We know how prayer is important for us. There's so many books out there on how to pray. You've got books like Too Busy Not to Pray. You've got um, Lectio 365, a prayer app helping you to pray. You've got courses, the prayer course. They're all well and good. But I think they actually, they don't solve the deeper issue. It helps us with the discipline of prayer, but not so much the heart attitude. And it's kind of like we're kind of covering it up a bit. And it's something we know we need to get better at. But, and society tells us one thing. But actually what we need to do is we need to go back and look at what Jesus says about prayer. And what he has to say about prayer and how we can learn from that. So, Matthew 6 verses 5 to 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen to others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many of us can say we can pretty much remember that prayer line by line? It's something that's ingrained and we get so used to. Problem is we can get too used to it. 
and we can just kind of think, okay, Lord's Prayer, this is a great model for people to learn how to start praying. But actually, Jesus teaches us as it's something more than just the basic building blocks. N.T. Wright, uh, when talking about the Lord's Prayer, puts it like this. This prayer is not just the spiritual version of the baby's mug and spoon set, though it is surely that as well. It is a suit of clothes designed for us to wear in our full maturity. The Lord's Prayer is not just the stabilisers on how to pray for the new Christians. It's something that as all Christians we should come back to, learn, and actually use it as a way to reflect how, our, how we are praying. And use it to kind of reject those models of prayer that we've seen from society. And that is exactly what Jesus does in this passage. So if we start at the first model of prayer that Jesus is kind of attacking against from verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So if you're into the origins of words, in, like Susie Dent from Countdown, you'd probably be interested to know that actually the word hypocrite stems from Greek for fake actors. It's basically taking a dig at uh, what Jesus is doing here, is saying, don't be like those people who want to be something that they're not. They're kind of posing themselves, wanting people to look in, look at how great they are. They want to develop their own platform in society and how people see them. Their view make people think they are holy than they actually are. <laughs> I have to admit, I do love how Jesus just takes a little dig and say, yeah, they got their reward. They got their reward of being recognised, but it's not good enough. What Jesus calls us to do is something completely different. He calls us to, it says in the passage, to go into your room, shut the door and pray in private. Now, this is an excuse not to go to the prayer meetings on a Wednesday night. Good plug there, Jonathan. It's actually a call for us to focus on the focus of prayer, which is Jesus and God the Father. On this passage, John Calvin says, Christ does not withdraw us from such an exercise, but only admonishes us to have God always before our eyes when we engage with him in prayer. The focus then of prayer isn't not about, it's not about us. It's not about who we want people to see us to be. It's actually about our relationship with God, the Father. And it's that intimate relationship. And then Jesus uses the Lord's Prayer to kind of teach about this a bit more. And this scene of Jesus teaching the Lord's Prayer, it would have been kind of a bit of a familiar to the Jews who were reading in. It would have been a bit of a kind of a deja vu moment. For those of you who were there or can remember, right at the start of this sermon series, Dom did an introduction and he mentioned how uh, Matthew is often seen as a Jewish gospel. It was written primarily for the Jews. And so there's images throughout about how Jesus is the greater Moses. There's so many sort of similarities. I could go on and point out the similarities up to this point. But the karate group that meet here at five o'clock will probably throw me out, literally. But the point is this. This scene of Jesus at sort of teaching the 12 disciples how to relate to God, 
on this mountaintop would have been similar to, or brought back memories of Moses teaching the 12 tribes of Israel how to relate to God through the 12, 10 commandments on Mount Sinai. And so there is this parallel between the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer. If the Ten Commandments teaches us how to act, sort of relate to God in worship, then the uh, Lord's Prayer is there to teach us how to relate to God in our hearts and in, with our words. And you've kind of got to, when you draw those similarities together, you kind of see that actually the Lord's Prayer is very similar to the Ten Commandments. Um, I could go on, but I won't. I'll just draw out one thing. If you look at the first five sort of commandments, you'll notice how it's all about relating to God. Don't have any idols other than me. I am your God. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, the first five lines is all about how about worship and in relating to God. How many times during our prayers, our individual personal prayers, do we make it all about us, all about me? I know for me, as I've been preparing this, I've been convicted about how often really my prayer is, oh, may my kingdom come, may my will be done, rather than God's will be done on earth as is in heaven. And I think it's something we can easily kind of forget. We can easily kind of neglect worship from our prayers. And I can, it's probably a societal thing. It's probably the influence of results. We live in a very results-driven culture. I mean, who remembers, this is going to show my age a bit, the really cool and cheesy bands of the early noughties, where it was not only WWJD, what would Jesus do? Not only fully rely on God, frog, but there was also push. Pray until something happens. There's that focus of actually, we wanting to see prayer work. We want to see the results of prayer. Some of that might be because of some of our prayer heroes we naturally go to. We might think of George Muller. For those who don't know, George Muller was a uh, preacher in the 1800s who very much, not only did he preach, but he founded several orphanages in Bristol. And I think some of them are still going on today. And it's not so much the fact that he founded these um, orphanages. It's the fact of how he did it. He never once asked for donations. He would literally pray and God would provide. And we look at the sort of stories of the provision that he received. There's stories in his autobiography about how at one time they were hungry around the dinner table. Um, they didn't have any money for food, no food in the cupboards. So they prayed. And all of a sudden there was a knock on the door. And a milk cart had broken down. And they had to get rid of all the food. And we look at these things and think of the results. But actually we kind of also forget that one of George Muller's famous quotes is that the first and most important thing he did every day was to be happy in God. There's a focus on worship as well. And I'm not saying that, oh, if you worship 50% of the time and ask for 50% of the rest, your prayers would be answered. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm trying to point out is actually what prayer is about us relating to God. It's about us growing in relationship in God and the act of worship in prayer is actually more about remembrance for us. We rem- when we pray, when we worship, we remember who God is. We remember what he's done. And the focus of worship in prayer 
is not about to try and change God's mind and get him to focus on us. It's about getting us to change our hearts and focus on him and have our perceptions switched. I'm going to be honest, over the last couple of months, with the, everything that's going on with, in Ukraine, I've been worried. I've been scared. I've been worried about, oh, what happens if someone decides to push a, a, big, a big red bus, button somewhere? I've been worried. And before I go and sort of give my worries to God, I, because I know I'm talking about this, but I worship. And actually, my mind flips. Why should I be worried about someone over across the other side of the world when, when actually I have a relationship with the God of the universe? And actually, he's in charge, and I'm remembering on who he is. Worship and prayer is important. And it's not about us trying to change his, God's mind. As Jesus sort of alludes to, in his next model, sort of attacking uh, some of the teachings of the day around prayer, from verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many empty words. Now, this isn't going on about long prayers or short prayers, which one's better. It's actually going into a cultural habit, a cultural trait of the day, where they would heap up empty praises to try and get an ear of the one who's listening. It's like if I went turned to Jonathan and said, Oh, amazing Jonathan, how great and marvellous are you? How blessed are we to have you as an elder here at King's Community Church? Oh, we are so amazed and humble at the time you give, especially when you serve as, as a, a job as well. How smart are you as a scientist? Are you feeling awkward yet, Jonathan? A little bit. You knew I was going to say something like this. And you also know that I haven't finished. Oh, and not only all that, you are such a fabulous husband to Helen and raising up two amazingly wonderful kids. I could go on, but I think you kind of get the picture. Now, when Jonathan's probably listening to all that, he's probably thinking two things. One, Ryan, shut up. (laughs) But two... What do you want? It's that kind of feeling that when kids come up to you and say, you know how much I always love you? It doesn't matter how much they love you. It's clear that they want something from you. And so this kind of cultural trait has been assimilated. It's been crafted into how they've been relating to God. And in a sense, they're forgetting their identity a bit. It's kind of about how society's changing the way they use their mobile phones. In light of reality TV. Now, this is... I've noticed that in shows such as The Apprentice, and I've had a good authority that it happens in shows as well, like Keeping Up the Kardashians, there's a... The way they use mobile phones is completely different. Instead of micro, uh, speaker to ear, microphone here, it's like this. They're talking into the microphone like this, speaker out loud for everyone to hear. Now, from their perspective, they're doing it from a production value. Because the cameras are zooming in, they want to hear the conversations, they don't want to do numerous edits. But actually, that I don't know if you've noticed, I've seen this a couple of times, even walking through Hatfield in the last couple of weeks, people are doing, starting to do this, talk on their phones like this, like they're on reality TV, because they've kind of thought and seen, oh, this is how these people do it. We must be like that. And forget how... The phone is designed to use. 
And that is the same with the um, disciples and the Jews. They'd forgotten their identity. They'd forgotten who they are. And so the Lord's Prayer is not only used to teach them how to pray not like the hypocrites and to focus on God, but also to remind them of their identity. During the uh, the worship service today, there's a couple of songs in there which would have reminded you of things that Jesus has done in his life. Water you turned into wine. That's a reminder of actually Jesus turning water into wine. Or through you, blind eyes are open. That's a reminder of some of the miracles that Jesus did. And in the same way that those songs sort of remind us about who Jesus is as we worship, the Lord's Prayer has those moments as well. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a reminder for the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And every day God provided them bread from heaven. Or forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, as we have forgiven our debtors. That for them would have been a callback and a reminder of something in the law around the year of the Jubilee. This was a moment where every seven years all debts would be wiped clean and everything would be restored. And it's these sort of reminders and echoes of their history that is interwoven into this prayer and to remind the Israelites about their identity. When you pray, do you remember your identity? Do you rem- when you say, our Father, do you actually remember that actually your relationship with God isn't that of just someone just relating to a big sovereign Lord? It's actually that of a father and child relationship. We talk, a- one of the other things I've noticed in the Western church, we talk a lot about being justified. We've talked a lot about being reconciled to God and all that. But we don't talk as much about the fact that we have been adopted as part of our salvation. My, one of my personal preaching heroes, a guy called H.B. Charles Jr., says this on, the, on this prayer. We pray, our Father in heaven, remembering that we are saved, born again, adopted, redeemed, and justified. We pray, our Father in heaven, remembering that we don't deserve to be God's friends, much less God's children. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we are accepted by God. When you come to God, do you remember that as part of your salvation, he is your father? And the truth is, the reason we can pray, our father, is because of the son dying on the cross to give us the spirit of adoption. This is part of who we are as Christians. If you are a Christian, you can come to the God of the universe just like a father. You can cry out, Daddy. That is our relationship. That is our standing with God. We don't have to try and earn God's ear in our prayers. He will listen to us because we are his child. And we can relate to him like that. As I wrap up and come to a close, I think there's kind of... we are. As I wrap up, I think this sort of topic and prayer, and our relationship with God, is a call to reflect. Firstly, to reflect on your life. If you're not a Christian here today, if you don't say that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, 
then actually you are not seen as a child of God. You don't have the same access to God in prayer as a Christian would because you're seen as an enemy. But you can. And in kind of line of what Helen said earlier today in the worship, if that's you, if you want to know more about who Jesus is and actually learn how you can have this direct access to God through prayer, how you can be seen as a child of God, then please talk to myself, Jonathan, Helen, or anyone you've seen come up here this morning. That's the first reflection. The second is to reflect on your prayer life. How do you view prayer? Seriously. How do you view prayer more as something that you're supposed to do as a Christian? It's kind of like this sort of kind of standard Christian sort of response from a Sunday school lesson. Oh, what do you do as a Christian? Read your Bible, pray every day. Do we just see it like it's something we're supposed to do as a tick list? Or is it actually... Do we need to actually have a refreshing view of actually what prayer is, which is relating to the Father, relating to the God of the universe who you have a direct relationship to, and treat him less as a kind of a wish list machine, kind of slot machine, but actually someone you want to have a relationship with. We are called to enjoy prayer. (coughs) I've downstairs after the service um, got several of these books. Ah, I say books. They're more like booklets. It's about 40 pages. You can, a slow reader could probably get through this easily in an afternoon, if not an hour. Enjoy Your Prayer Life by Mike Reeves. And if, it's, if you want to think, actually, how can I have this more dynamic way of pr- enjoying prayer, not just as that of the wish list, but actually to relate to God, feel free to pick one of these up after the service. And then finally, there's a call to reflect on your relationship with God. I mentioned how, as Christians, we have been adopted by God. We can be called call him Father. And I can't... It's really... Diff, and I appreciate for some people here today, it's really difficult to do that because you put, portray your earthly father, and have images of him as you pray to, Jesus, to God. You kind of struggle. A f- friend of mine, I was talking to him a couple of years ago, a uh, great Christian guy. But growing up, he felt that his father was kind of picked on him, bullied him, was hostile towards him. And so as a result, he really struggled to pray, God our father. He would Come up with a smart workaround. Oh, I'll just pray to Jesus instead. That's fine. I love Jesus. God the Father. But pray to Jesus. You might think, oh, that's a smart move. Clever way. But actually what you're doing is you're kind of restricting your view on God. You're not fully embracing all that he has for you and what it means to be that Father. And if that's you today, um, if that's you today, please... Grab someone you know, uh, whether it's a friend, someone in your community group, an elder, whoever, to sit down and pray with you and to start the journey. I think we've, if you look at um, society and what we see on media and portraying TV shows, the issues of fatherhood is huge. There's so many characters and so many people that 
have their life that is kind of changed, not changed, but have their characters kind of impacted by the relationship they have with their father. It's not a easy thing that I want to talk about lightly. But if that's you, just pray with someone to start that journey. And so prayer, as taught by Jesus, is not so much about what we want, but it's actually getting to Jesus. It's about relating to the Father who died so we can come to him. Come up and let me pray to Christ. Yeah, Father God, I just thank you. I just thank you that we can come to you in prayer. I thank you that prayer is not something we have to do as Christians. It's not our it's things we have to do in order to get a right ear with you. But it's something that is an absolute privilege. We can come and embrace. I just ask that as we leave here today, we would not just sit still and think, oh, it's all good and stick in our same manner of ways but we would actually think how more can we relate and enjoy the father who gave the son so we can do this lord i pray this in your son's holy name amen